Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for January 17th. 2023, which we count in the Hebrew calendar as the 24th of Tebet, 5783-7. I am Walter Bingham. Today I bring you the second interview in the new series, Talking Heads. It's about Vibe Israel, an organization that aims to brand Israel as the premier tourist destination and the founder and chairwoman, Joanna Landa, will tell us why they are successful. But first a word about our new government and foreign reaction. Following the election and before a new government was even established, the left-wing voices around the world harshly criticized Netanyahu for its proposed composition because of the probable inclusion of far-right-wing religious ministers. Those foreign, self-styled liberals are applying a different definition of democracy to Israel from that which they practice and believe to be correct. So let's examine the two versions. In Israel, the coalition government is composed of representatives from the elected parties according to the size of their vote. As the religious nationalist parties commanded a large percentage of votes cast, they receive an appropriate number of ministerial posts. Israel being the only Jewish state, they will ensure to maintain the religious character within the framework of a democratic state. For instance, education is the parents' choice. So what is democracy in left-wing dominated countries, like the USA? Parents have no longer control of the education of their children. The local education authority and the teachers' union decide to include sex education in the curriculum. Gender equality is promoted to the extent that children are encouraged to choose which gender they want to be. In some cases, parents who objected during parent-teacher meetings are called terrorists and arrested or expelled. The criterion for employment is no longer qualification, but the percentage of non-whites. The police is promoted as superfluous. Law and order are ignored, and crime is rampant, even among children, where recently a six-year-old shot the teacher who is now in serious condition. Under the fraudulent pretext of political persecution, large numbers from Muslim countries have flooded the US and Europe, and anti-Semitic outrages have been allowed to become widespread before the authorities have begun to take action. I would rather live in Israel, where the main question that concerns the leftists is the division of religion and state, but where a Jew is a Jew, regardless of the color of the skin. And now to the interview. I have often said that without our many charitable organizations and volunteers, Israel could not function. There are hundreds of them. Most help with social, medical, and mental problems. But there are also those NGOs 
that present Israel to the world, like Stand With Us and Imtirzu, that are doing valuable work in correcting the fake news and misinformation that is disseminated by the world's media, as well as, dare I say, educating the Israeli public about the problem we face vis-à-vis our immediate Arab neighbors. On another level, one of the lifeblood of Israel is tourism. That's why we have a ministry exclusively dealing with promoting this very important aspect of our economy. At the recent Israel Media Summit, I heard a presentation on this subject by an organization that I hadn't heard of before. It was given by Joanna Landau, the founder and head of Vibe Israel, a not-for-profit organization that was outstanding not only in its content but also its composition, designed to sell Israel as a first-choice tourist destination. They call it branding, and Joanna Landau is a specialist in this field and an influencer in marketing. Her aim is to dramatically transform global perceptions of Israel by harnessing the power of social media, something that has never been done before. Her presentation would have succeeded in convincing me if I wouldn't live here. Not surprising that in 2013, Joanna Landau was voted by Forbes Israel as one of the ten powerful women in Israel to look out for. She is a governor of Tel Aviv University, a member of the International Education Committee of Taklit, that's Birthright Israel, and a board member of Tel Aviv Global, that's City Municipalities Marketing Division. Although the presentation I saw was audiovisual, I'm sure that she can enthuse you even by just listening to this broadcast. So I have invited her to the Walters World Studio to tell us all about the work and successes of Vibe Israel. Welcome to the program. Thank you. As I just said, I was highly impressed by what I heard, and I'm sure that those of my listeners who have not yet visited Israel will be motivated to do so. Before we begin, what stimulated you to found Vibe Israel and when? So I'm originally from England, which is why you and I struck up a very interesting conversation. Um, And I've lived in Israel for most of my life. I'm raising my children here. And I felt about 15 years ago that the Israel that I know and love and appreciate is not what the world is seeing. And I felt specifically for the next generation, my own children included, what is going to give them a good reason to want to engage with Israel? And because what was going on in the media was very limited, most of what they were seeing was the conflict or religion, I felt that we need to expand that conversation, especially online, because that's where the kids are. And so I established Vibe Israel about 15 years ago with a view to changing the way young people think about Israel by meeting them where they're at, which is mostly on social media, and uh, specifically leveraging the power of what today is known as influencer marketing. So you're married and you have, I read, three children. I do. So how do you find time 
to sit on several boards and for this work, which must be very demanding? Well, it's a great question. First of all, you know, it's a passion project. So if I'm passionate about something, I will find the time for it. This was through while they were young. But my kids are now 21, 18 and 16. I have more time. But I also have two dogs. I just like being busy. Well, of course, activity is the name of the game. Right. So notwithstanding your great work, but why do you believe that you can do better than the Ministry of Tourism with its budget to promote Israel as a top vacation choice? What is your modus operandi? I don't think I can do better than anyone. I think I can do something rather uniquely for two reasons. One is that I am not a government body, and therefore I can say whatever I want. Political aspects don't impact uh, what I have to say, which is very different to what a, um, a ministry can say. And the other thing is that my focus is not just tourism. So I'm really trying to make sure that when young people scroll through their social media, they see positive content about Israel. And that will impact for tourism, for business, for a variety of different aspects. And the way that we actually do that in the modus operandi is something that we started in 2011, which is what's called influencer marketing, meaning finding those people online, young people who have enormous impact, millions of people are following them, reaching out to them, inviting them on an all-expenses-paid trip to Israel, because seeing is believing. And then when we bring them to Israel, we show them the aspects that they're interested in. So it's not a tour about Israel. If they're, for example, a food influencer, a blogger, or an Instagrammer, then we will show them food in Israel. And if they write about architecture, we will show them architecture. When I say young people, I mean our interest is in the older teenagers and all the way up to about 40. Those are the people we focus on. The focus is also on Western democracies. We're looking at those countries where Israel has a real issue with its image amongst young people who share our values, but they don't know what our values are. And therefore, they think different things about Israel than I would like them to think. Are we talking about only Jewish people or generally? Generally. And I often get asked that question because our donors are primarily from North American. And what they care about, uh, quite rightly, beyond non-Jewish people, is their own children and grandchildren. And my message to them is, uh, let's call it a millennial. So a millennial Jew is a millennial first, right? First of all, they're a product of the age they were born in. And then they are Jewish. And if we know how to talk to millennials, whether they're Jewish or not, then we can talk to Jewish millennials as well. As far as tourist destinations are concerned, mm -hmm. Israel is considered very expensive. Tel Aviv, for instance, tops the rankings of the most expensive cities. Isn't that a hurdle to overcome? Yes, I think it is. I think there's a, there are several hurdles that Israel needs to overcome beyond being expensive. Uh, is the question of infrastructure. Uh, it's the question of the location. It's very sensitive to many uh, issues that can happen in other countries, and people are sure that it impacts us. However, Israel is quite an exotic destination in people's minds. It's one of those places that they know possibly from the Bible and possibly because of, they may have heard of Tel Aviv and the cool nightlife. So we are very expensive. It is a major issue. That is something that the ministry needs to manage and handle. However, I do still consider Israel to be a very attractive tourism product 
compared to other countries uh, that may be relevant to the same audience. But the foreign media describes Israel as perhaps not exactly dangerous, but certainly unsafe. How would you answer that? So it's very interesting. That's what I thought as well. But very recently, there was a ranking of a famous global insurance company. I don't remember which one it was. And it ranked Israel the fifth safest country in the world. So when you say foreign media, it really depends. Because if we're talking about Sky News and New York Times and, you know, the, the sort of legacy and, and the, the established media, that's certainly the case. When we're talking about the media that young people consume, on the whole, most young people actually haven't come across Israel very much at all. And if they have done, it might be in the context of negative news, but it might also be in the context of very positive news, whether it's because of the business and because of the Eurovision and because of great food and restaurants. So it depends when you say media what it means and who the audience is. When you target different audiences, you said whatever their interest is, you show them that side of Israel. Does that also apply to the Arab areas, uh, the heartland that they call the West Bank? I know you're, you're not influenced by politics. I want to touch on the fact that we have a large constituent of people who live in... Uh, right. Uh, and also, uh, what happens there? Sure. Another aspect of it is it's not obvious to a lot of people that when you're offering them something, you have to, to give them what they want rather than what you want to say. We do a lot of research to try and understand what young people care about and why they could be interested in Israel. And certainly, understanding your audience is the biggest part of fully getting messaging across. In Israel, because the topic is very, very sensitive, and because it can create a conversation that we're not interested in making the focal point of what Israel is all about, we tend to stay in areas that are, uh, we'll go into East Jerusalem, that's sort of, for people's minds, it's Jerusalem. We'll go to areas where there are uh, Arab communities, uh, of course, Tel Aviv. In the West Bank, it really depends on the topic. But I have to admit that we have to kind of steer clear of something that... Uh, I don't want the conversation of, for example, a fashion blogger or Instagrammer that we take to a great fashion studio in the West Bank to be about whether Israel is right or wrong about the politics because their audience is not interested in that question. And so I have these people in Israel for a very limited amount of time. I want to make the most bang for our buck. Because it's not so tourist-based, we certainly facilitate meetings with people who live all over Israel. We can meet in a bar in Rehovot, in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. It doesn't matter where you're from. The issue is that we don't want to make the topic of the conversation something that will attract the BDS and, and those kinds of people. Are we talking about organized groups of people or individuals? We bring groups of eight influencers at a time, and they have the same, if not more, power than a congressman or a student's yes, union leader, they're the... huge. The dynamic of the group is very, very important. So we bring eight people that have been vetted. We know how they write. We know who they're talking to. We know they engage them very positively about any topic that they write about. So that's our focus. We're considering the option, offering businesses and organizations the opportunity to work with us so that we can help them facilitate uh, an experience of Israel that is very oriented to 
this kind of media. It's very different to standard media. That's a very good idea, and it's very productive. Thank you. At some tourist destinations, it's advisable to choose hotels that are, let's say, not below the, the accepted three-star level. How about Israel? So we put them up in, in boutique hotels. They are all five-star, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're expensive, which is much more relevant for these kinds of young people who are looking to have fun and very colorful and lots of people around them. Israel has great boutique hotels. We partner with hotel chains. Do you fund all that? We fund the whole thing from start to finish, including the flight, all the food, all the accommodation. It's a highly curated tour very specific to the specific people that we bring. We do not pay them. We say to them, if you like what you experienced, write about it. We don't tell them what to say. We do have an agreement with them that says you post every day on your social media channels. And the result is they tend to post a lot more than once a day, proper articles. And if it's a YouTube, for example, then a long video. And every tour so far that we've done generated at least two to three, if not more, million impressions about Israel. Did you have disappointments with some of them? I was expecting at least one over the years to say bad things about Israel. The only disappointment was the guy who had a music blog, and most of the time he was just drinking and sleeping. And he didn't post a lot, and that was disappointing. But we've never had negative comments about Israel from the influences that we've brought. It goes back to something that I experienced on the very first tour in 2011. We were thinking, what would be the most counterintuitive thing that people would want to learn about Israel? I was a young mother and I wanted to show the world that Israel's a great place to raise kids. So we invited top mummy bloggers in England and Spain. And we showed them what uh, Israel was all about, and it was fabulous. They loved it. And one day I was talking to one of the women, because I didn't understand this whole field of influences and marketing. And, and she said, look, first and foremost, you have to believe in your product. You have to know that you're sending a good product to me so that I'll review it. I realized at that moment that I believe in the product called Israel. And I'm not worried. And if somebody wants to say something bad, that's okay. The secret to influencers and why they're so successful is that the really, really good ones never post really bad reviews because then they will never be invited by brands again. That's not quite honest, is it? When they don't like something, they don't post. Or they say, here are the pros and here are the cons. But there's a big question about authenticity with these people because... They're more powerful than journalists, and a lot of them have no education in journalism. They really shouldn't necessarily be so powerful and impactful. Uh, do they get money for this? They get a lot of money from it. They've become millionaires from it. They created trust with their audiences by being very authentic. People follow them because they love what they stand for and, and what they talk about. Their only thing that gives them the influence is the trust that the audience has in them. If they fake it, they will be very quickly taken off of the people who follow them. Authenticity is key for influencers. For ordinary tourism, there are seasons. Mm -hmm. I take it that seasons don't affect you. Of course, one of the reasons why Israel is a great tourism product is because seasons don't affect us. I just came over here. I, I was in Tel Aviv. It was sunny. In Jerusalem, nice temperature. And this is no chance of rain today. And we're in the middle of January. 
So that is a massively appealing asset that Israel has. And in fact, all credit to the tourism ministry for a very successful campaign called the City Break, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. They subsidized a lot of advertising to Europeans who are cold in the winter to come to Israel for over a long weekend and experience the great weather. Tell me about your successes. How do you measure your success? So the great thing about influencers and the online world in, in general is that it's very data-driven. You can collect every single piece of information that you want from how many times were people posting, what were the responses, how many people clicked like, how many people commented, how many they shared, who saw what they shared. So it's very easy. So we work with what's called a social listening company that provides reports and tells you exactly how many people were reached every post that is given. So over the last decade when we did tours, we reached over 1.2 billion positive mentions about Israel. Amazing. Yeah. We hosted about 250 influencers over the years. This is what's great about influencer marketing. It's not expensive and the impact is huge and you can do a lot with it. As I said in my introduction, I'd never heard of Vibe Israel, but I'm impressed. Thank you very much. In the end, it's who you are, and people want to be associated with success. And Vibe Israel has been enormously successful, but not enough people know about it. So thank you for this opportunity to speak with you. For the first-time visitor on, let's say, just a week's stay, what destinations would you suggest? And I, I know that now you're going to say, well, whatever there is, their interest. No, no. Destinations no. that hopefully make that visitor or an influencer want to come again. Actually, we do have a very intentional, our trip. Okay, so we plan everything very, very well. First of all, in terms of specific places, yes, my answer is depends what they're interested in. I'll find the places in Israel that showcase three main things about who the Israeli people are. One is about how we celebrate life, we love life, all the aspects relating to tikkun olam that show that we cherish. And how we argue with each other. Although that's fine, that's part of creativity. The second thing is the multicultural society of Israel. The fact that there are so many different people here is fascinating to young people outside of Israel. They think we're all Jewish. They don't realize that within Judaism, there are 70 cultures at least living here from different countries, including from Arab and African countries. And the third thing is, of course, our innovation and the entrepreneurship. So I'm looking for places that represent these values, because these values are values that young people care about. But in terms of location, the one thing I can say is that we always start with Jerusalem, because that's what people are expecting. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell them a story, bring them in and say, okay, here's Jerusalem. We do the tour of the old city of Jerusalem. They actually get very emotionally inspired, even if they're not religious. It's Jerusalem does that. And then from Jerusalem, we will find stories that align with those values. And then from there, we'll go to Tel Aviv and we'll stay most of the time in Tel Aviv because you don't want people to pack and unpack a lot. But we will go either one day up north or one day down south to show them that there's much more to Israel than Tel Aviv. And the messaging of Tel Aviv is very kind of cool, bubbly, yay, but it's not all of Israel. I'm a very proud Tel Avivian, but the desert actually has an amazing impact on people who come from urban countries. And the Galilee tells the story of Israel, which is much closer to Italy and Tuscany than people expect. So these are stories that people need to see and hear and engage with if we want to change their mind. Tel Aviv is also marketed as the world's most pink city. Right. 
Do you have anything about that? We haven't done a tour which is aimed at the uh, LGBTQ community, mainly because that community is quite aware of Israel. We will certainly uh, include an aspect of it if it's on topic. So for us, the question is, what is the topic of the tour? What are they interested in writing about? And then we don't ask if people are gay or they're not gay. That's not the issue. If it comes up, let's talk about it. If it's not relevant, I'm not going to force it into the conversation. You mentioned before children. Do your bloggers market Israel also as a destination with facilities for family vacation or only as a, its general beauty and its historic biblical sites? We, we've done three tours that were aimed at mummies. Obviously, we're going to show them what they care about for children. And I think that all the tours that we do, you see children, which is what's so fabulous. It's not what people are expecting. You see family. And the fact that family is such a big part of the spirit of the Israeli people is totally counterintuitive to the Israeli being a soldier or being masculine or being aggressive or anything that is sort of sitting in the mind in a place which is not where we want Israel to be. Yes, we do have to protect ourselves. Yes, we do need to be aggressive sometimes because we live in a rather complicated neighborhood. But under the surface of it, it's like the Sabra, prickly on the outside, but very soft and squidgy on the inside. That's the fruit of one of Israel's popular cacti. And it's very much who we are. People really love to discover that Israeli people are very community-based. Friday night dinners, for example, Shabbat dinner, where we meet our families once a week. Some people do a blessing over the wine. Some people don't. Some people keep kosher. Some people don't. Some people invite friends. Some people don't. In the end, that concept, it doesn't exist anywhere else in the world in a whole country. Do you take your bloggers into a family Absolutely. for Friday night ceremonial dinner? Yeah. Every trip we have is always hosted by a family. And that's what they love. Usually, if they visit another country, they never go into someone's house. But it's such a typical Israeli thing to do. This is the messaging. We're not trying to get them to buy a plane ticket to Israel. That's the responsibility of the Ministry of Tourism. If we can support that, that's great. What we're trying to get them to do is to walk away and say, I never imagined this is what the Israeli people are like. No other country or no other person I know has invited me into their home the day I met them. And that is a universally attractive message that young people and older people don't know about the Israelis. It also, of course, stems from Jewish way of life. By the way, Arab hospitality is very similar in that respect. And I think that that's what makes Israel very, very appealing. The little things, it's not the big things. I don't care that we are the number one in the world for startups and the most investments and, and all sorts of things like that. In the end, if they have a wonderful time with someone on the beach eating hummus and drinking beer, then they will be very happy and they will write about it. And they have done. The concept of Vibe Israel is something that I'd never heard of, but it's a, a really good idea, or want of another word. And I'm sure that you wrote about that in a book which you are going to publish. I did. By the time this airs, it will have published because it's happening this week. I wrote a book called Ethical Tribing, Connecting the Next Generation to Israel in the Digital Era. It's aimed mainly at the Jewish world that is very concerned about the next generation, Jewish and non-Jewish. People are leaving the Jewish tribe, and that is a concern. And some people think that it's because Israel is a liability 
and people are not connecting with Israel positively. And I think actually Israel can be an asset. It really depends what part of Israel people are seeing. In the book, what I basically talk about is three mindsets that we need to leave behind in order to be able to understand how to engage the next generation. And after those three mindsets are sort of shifted, then I give six tactics of how to engage young people, especially online, and get them to fall in love with Israel, fall in love with their Jewish identity, be proud of Israel. Every single Jew around the world, whatever their age is, should be able to walk with their head high when it comes to Israel. Currently, that's not the case for a variety of reasons. Some of them are related to Israel itself. And some of them are related to external forces that come from anti-Semitism and those aspects, which are very worrying. And some of them are related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But if enough people know the strengths and advantages that Israel offers the world and the good things about us, especially young people, then I am less concerned for the future of Jewish peoplehood and the state of Israel than the current situation. And so the book is really the model of everything that we've done over the last 10 years. It's my personal book. And it's saying every single person can act differently to achieve better results. Here's the roadmap for how to do it, even as an individual. How can people get the book? So it uh, is being published on Amazon and all the standard Barnes and Noble and uh, websites and all of those. Go to ethical-tribing.com, uh, ethical-tribing.com is the website for the book. That's the title of the book. And I'm very proud to say, because I've seen all these wonderful pictures of you with our president, that there's a wonderful testimonial on the front of the book by the president about the importance of the work and the ideas in it. Now, very importantly, how are you funded? Most of our donors are North American Jewish foundations that are very involved and have always been involved in promoting Israel to the world. We also work with foundations that care deeply about Jewish identity and what's going on with their next generation and how do you make that sort of connection between a strong Jewish identity and a love for Israel. Joanna Landau of Vibe Israel, thank you very much for your interesting and inspiring account. And I hope that it will have the desired effect. And of course, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was an honor. Finally, it's not every day that a senior politician attends a journalist's birthday party, but last Tuesday morning it was even better when Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, did just that. He accepted my invitation and surprised me by showing up at my home with his security detail. Here is a part of the sound file of the video which will give you an indication of the President's 35 minutes visit to celebrate my 99th birthday and entry into my 100th year. So what an honor it is to congratulate Walter for getting to 99, that is so young. We still want him to go to 130, 140. And he plans to, of course, break Guinness uh, world records in many fields in the next few years. So Walter, you're a blessing. And I'm very proud to meet somebody who's fought the Nazis in World War II, when in the British Army, just like my late father, it's a special tribute for me that I have the honor to come here. I hope and you're Because your generation 
the generation of Jewish soldiers who fought in World War II clearly saved the world. Thank you very much. My honor that you came, Mr. President. You've granted so many times to let us see you. I'm coming tomorrow. Great. The ambassadors are waiting for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And with this happy news, I end for today. This is Walter Bingham wishing you a long and successful life. And so that the Almighty will bless you with good health, please take time to visit your elderly neighbor. We are living in stressful times and in many parts of the world it's bitter cold and the elderly cannot go out. Loneliness is a killer. Your visit will make all the difference. Thank you. Goodbye. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.